This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. So this morning, uh, we are continuing uh, our sermon series uh, called Family Tree. And the purpose of this series is a couplefold. Uh, the first is that we uh, believe, we know, uh, that just like in our families, uh, sometimes the best way to know who we are is to look backward and understand our DNA, to understand where we've come from, to understand the things that make us uh, who we are, to look at our family, our heritage, our history. And in those things, uh, we see reflections in ourselves, in our kids, uh, in our grandkids, uh, kind of who, who we've come from, where we've, where we've come from. And so we'll spend time sharing about our, our stories, about the 147 years of history that makes up our church and the values uh, that's been passed on from generation to generation. Uh, the other thing that we do uh, with this series uh, is we're, uh, we recognize that to bear fruit, to be a tree, uh, you have to have a good root system. Uh, your roots have to be healthy and strong. And one of the ways that we do that as a church uh, is through our covenant membership, prayers, presence, gifts, service, witness. Uh, one of those is with our financial gifts. And so we're using these four or five weeks to talk about uh, what it means for us to invest in the, the root system, the foundation of who we are, so that we might continue to bear fruit uh, across uh, across many generations as we continue to live out God's purposes for this church and this family. And so we're having that conversation over these next several weeks as well. You know, our church family does, it has this great span. I mean, it, expands, it extends all the way from 147 year old, year old uh, from the 1870s all the way to our youngest community, 519, uh, that officially uh, started in 2012. Uh, and it's a great story. If you don't know the story, we're going to share some of it this morning. Uh, but part of it uh, was born in our uh, denomination and our church uh, simply paying attention uh, to our neighbors, uh, to our community. Uh, Mary Beth, can you pull up that map? Um, the, the area, you can sort of see it as you're facing it to your left, uh, that's sort of outli- outlined in red, uh, is sort of the West Cary area. And in uh, that time frame, from about 2005 to about 2012 or so, uh, that area uh, was one of the fastest growing areas in our country. Uh, you may remember uh, that before Apex was the number one place to live in the country. Yay, go Apex. Um, Cary was. Wah, wah. Um, but just kidding. I know that's actually where I grew up. Um, so but we, uh, Cary was growing quickly. And people recognized that there was a lot of things uh, to uh, enjoy about that area. Uh, one, there, there's a lot of jobs. Uh, RTP was still vibrant and it was growing and people were moving here uh, for employment. And so that part of Cary was one of the last parts of Cary that had not developed yet. And so a lot of folks who had jobs in RTP or in Raleigh were moving here to live into uh, those, those jobs, those communities. There's also a lot of things for kids, a lot of things for families. And one thing we have found about Cary and now about Apex is not only were families moving here to raise their families, but grandparents were moving to this area as well to be with their families. And so we started seeing multiple generations uh, find places in this community uh, to call home. And so people were moving here very quickly. The other thing that we found in the movement was the people that were moving here, uh, for many of them, uh, church was not part of who they were. Uh, Either they were too busy for church or they uh, were in communities or in families that didn't experience church. And so it was a very unchurched part of what many of us have experienced as the Bible Belt. That part of our belt was not Bibled. <laughs> That's just, uh, it was people that moved here and didn't necessarily uh, have a relationship with Christ or with the church 
or honestly uh, were some of the folks that would claim religion or uh, relationship with God as spiritual but not religious. They knew there was something greater than themselves but did not have time for religion. And so when we survey particularly that part of our community, uh, the density of folks who would claim that was really high. And as United Methodists, uh, we recognize that it was important for us uh, to be planting churches, starting new places for new people in that area. In fact, my wife and I, when we first moved back here in 2002, uh, our first home was in that community. And we were looking for a church. And we were, looking, we were living in Morrisville. We were looking for a place uh, to worship. And we looked and looked, and honestly, we could not find a place. And so we ended up landing here. Now, I was thankful for Apex Methodist that this place existed. And we found community here. We found uh, biblical teaching here. We found uh, people who cared about God and about pe- people here. And we want to be a part of that. Uh, but we were looking for a place there to invest, and we just did not have a place to invite our friends uh, in West Cary and Morrisville. Uh, now, we're not planting a church there because Aaron and I couldn't find a church there. That's, I'm not that important, just to be clear. <laughs> Uh, but the church also recognized that. And as we went to multi-site ministry, our denomination asked Apex Methodist if we would consider partnering to send a church there. Because we had tried before five times to plant or start a new ch- church in that community. And five times, all every single one of them uh, within two to three years had closed. And yet we knew how important it was to create space for people to encounter the gospel uh, in West Cary. And so our church, through prayer, through discernment, uh, came alongside and said, yeah, we'll be a part of that. And uh, Pastor Owen Barrow uh, was the associate pastor here. Uh, many of you know Owen. Uh, Owen was beloved. Uh, he is still beloved. I don't mean was. It's not like we, we hate him now. We actually still love him. Uh, but he was charismatic. He was a great teacher and preacher. He loved people. And he gathered a group of folks that began praying about what it would look like uh, to start a new faith community uh, in West Cary. And so they gathered and they prayed uh, starting about 2011 and began to prepare uh, what that church might look like. And one thing that they came to was, well, what do we call it? <laughs> like, we, we don't have a name. And, and you know that anytime you name something, if it's important, the name matters, right? You know, whether you have named uh, a child or a business or, you know, a car. I mean, just important things that we name. Uh, sometimes you want to get the name right. And so they began to pray about what that name may look like. And as they were thinking about that, one value that has been true about our church for a very long time, that was also true about 519, is that we have always felt like we were a church uh, called to a people, to a community. Uh, Apex Methodist has been on this corner for 100 years, and we have chosen to stay on this corner, uh, even when it might have been easier to simply sell this property and move out uh, to where there's more space, it was easier to build, where we might grow differently, uh, but we felt called to this community, and so we stayed. And we now are doing uh, lots of church on a very small footprint comparatively because it was so important for us to stay invested uh, with our neighbors right here. And when we launched uh, The Peak in 2010, uh, we asked the name question again, and they said, we want to be a church for our community. And uh, The Peak, if it's not obvious, was named uh, because of the peak of good living uh, because that's what Apex is. And we wanted to create a community there that reflected that ethic. And so 519 uh, did the same thing. Uh, we've located a location, Carpenter Elementary, uh, that was in the center of uh, the zip code, uh, 27519. And so 519's name came because of those last three digits of the zip code, 27519. And so that's how the name was born. A church called to a community to create new spaces for new people to encounter the gospel uh, there. Now, 
in the wisdom of Owen and the leadership, they realize there may be a time where they move out of 27519. So there probably ought to be another reason that we called it 519. Um, that has happened. They are now not in 27519. They're in 27560. They're right by the airport. Uh, but they wanted to find that, not only a reason for it, uh, but a biblical foundation for who they were. And so they gathered uh, as a leadership gathering, and they began reading through Scripture, uh, all the places in Scripture there was, where there was either a 519, chapter 5, verse 19, uh, or chapter 51, uh, verse 9. And they just read through all of them. And they found some great ones. I mean, like, they found some ones that, let's, let's, I'm going to read one. This is from Isaiah. It says this, they, they, and they read them out loud, and they just laughed. It was fun. They said, Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab into pieces and who pierced the dragon? Now, in their great wisdom, they didn't use this one. This was not, this is not the foundation of 509, just to be clear. Um, but they would, they would read, and they, they, would, they would read out loud, and to hear the stories, they would read some, and, and there were some like this that they just sort of had to laugh about. Uh, there were some that just didn't fit. Um, one of the leaders came uh, to this passage in Luke, uh, and we're going to read from Luke chapter 5 this morning. And when they read it, uh, they just stopped. And they said, I think, I think this is who God's calling us to be. And this is what they read. I'm going to begin uh, with verse 17, Luke chapter 5, uh, beginning in 17. It said, one day, while Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. And they had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord is with him to heal. Just then some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. And they were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. And then verse 19 but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. And they read that verse about these men who finding no way to bring their friend to Jesus, go up on a roof, tear a hole in that roof and lower their friend at the feet of Christ. And then they continue to verse 20. And it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And as they read this passage, they recognized that not only was this the kind of church that they wanted to be, but this is who they already were. They were a group of people who had been founded out of a place that took seriously uh, making creative ways for people to encounter Jesus, that, that were willing to take risks, to, to try new ways of doing ministry, to, to enter into uh, communities like, like West Cary through a multi-site relationship, to start a community like Fiesta Cristiana uh, for our neighbors right here in Apex and the surrounding areas, to be part of a place that, that took seriously what it meant uh, to go and, and make space to carry our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our family members, uh, and lay them at the feet of Christ. They said, this is who we want to be. And when they go to verse 20, they ask this question, and this is what's so particularly about, particular about verse 20. And it's an is- interesting twist. Uh, on, as Jesus looks at the, the people there, he says, uh, it says that he saw their faith. Not the faith of the man, not the faith of the paralytic, 
But the faith of the four men, he saw their faith. And because of their faith, he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Because of the faith of their friends, because of the faith of those who carried him there, uh, this man, this paralyzed man, had a chance to experience forgiveness and ultimately experience healing because of the faith of those people. And so Owen has asked a question ever since that has just been a profound question. It's like when Jesus sees our faith, when Jesus sees how we live our lives, when people see how we live our lives, do our lives reflect God's love in such a way that we, that people, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, our families, are coming to experience the freedom that God gives them? Are we living in such a way? And so the purpose statement for 509 came about because of that question, and it became this. It was simply to love well and to live differently. So when we live our lives as Christians, he said the simple call is to be a people who love well and live differently. Now, I think if you, if you have been here long enough, you hear that echoed in our own DNA. Uh, I'll close again this morning like I often do, which is with a benediction that simply says that I hope that as we leave this place, uh, we will live in such a way that as people see us, they might see Jesus. And 509 had that same call. Not only do we want our words to change or our worship to be excellent or our preaching to be great, but we want to more importantly live in such a way that we, uh, people, when people see us, uh, they might actually encounter Christ. That was the call. And what a profound call uh, it has been and it continues to be as we ask what kind of church uh, we want to be. So this morning, I have three questions for us as we reflect on this and for what it means for us. And they come from the three different perspectives of the people in this story. Uh, the per- first perspective uh, is, from, uh, is from the friends carrying Jesus. And it's a question I think is important for all of us to ask as we think about what it means for us to be Christ followers. And it's simply this. Are you, are we, uh, as the church, are you as individuals, are you as families, uh, living, loving well, and living differently in a way that because of your life and faith, uh, someone else might experience the good news of Jesus. Are you, are we, uh, loving well and living differently in such a way because of our life and our faith uh, that someone else might experience the good news of Jesus? Do our lives do that? Do our, do our, does our work do that? Do our, our relationships with our neighbors and our, and our friends and, and our classmates, do they do that? Does our life reflect Christ in such a way that people are coming to know Christ because of the way that we live? I remember when my wife and I were first uh, attending here, we, there was an open basketball, open gym. Uh, every Wednesday night, we would come in and guys would play basketball. We'd run up and down this court and we'd tear down the stage and, and we'd play basketball and, and for you know, a couple hours and we'd put the stage back up, but we would play here. And it was a place where I sort of made some of my first relationships here. I, I met some people here. Uh, I learned who really loved Jesus and who really loved basketball. I mean, those things sometimes are mutually exclusive. Um, <laughs> but we, we found a way, we just played together. And we built a relationship together, and we got to know each other. And, and most of us, at least I did, I got to know folks mostly when I was taking a break because <laughs> I needed to breathe because I was tired and out of shape. Um, but we would step aside. And I remember having those conversations, and uh, one in particular has always stood out to me. Uh, we actually were playing one night. There were uh, about 15 guys. It was a pretty large crowd. And so uh, we were sitting there watching. And one of the guys here uh, had come uh, to basketball, uh, because his wife had told him he was coming to basketball. <laughs> so he came. And, and he was, we were playing, and we were standing actually right over there by the, uh, by the kitchen, leaning against that wall, uh, watching a game uh, go on. And we were just chatting. 
and he was sharing about his life and about where he was in his faith. And we were just talking and, and he was saying, you know, I, I'd sort of given up on church. I was done with church. I was done with the people of church. I have, this was just not where I wanted to be. And, and yet I'm here playing basketball on Wednesday night because my wife thought it was important. So I'm here and we kept talking and, and kept having conversation and, Week after week, we would play together, and we would talk together, and we would pray, play together, and then we would talk. And, and eventually, he and his wife got involved here more and more. Uh, and years later, about seven years after that first time we hung out on a Wednesday night, uh, his wife and his family actually became part of the core team uh, that started at 509. From a guy on a basketball court, from simply running down a court with each other and talking together and being together, uh, he, they re-engaged in church in such a way that they wanted to make sure other people had that type of opportunity uh, to engage this type of community. It was through basketball. Sometimes it's through how you present yourself at work. Sometimes it's through how you care for your neighbors. Uh, Sometimes it's through a simple note or a greeting. But how we show up in these places is an opportunity for each of us to love people well and to live differently, distinctively enough that when people see us, they might actually ask, what is it with this guy, with this guy, Jesus? What is it about this guy, uh, Jesus? The second question uh, is a little bit uh, more confessional for me, uh, and it's probably a little bit harder for us sometimes to see. In in Luke uh, chapter 5, when we look at who uh, was around Jesus, why they couldn't get to Jesus, uh, this is what it says when it describes the crowds. In verse 17, it says, One day, while he was teaching, uh, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. The people that made up the crowd around Jesus were actually church people. They were church leaders. They were folks who knew scripture, folks who taught scripture, folks who were visible in the temple. They were the folks that were packed in so that no one else could get in there. And the question that has come out of that for me over time has been, uh, again, a hard question. And it's simply this. Are you, are we living a life in such a way that we're actually keeping people from Jesus? Are we living our life in such a way, not, not are we living in a way that we're drawing folks to Jesus, but is our witness actually keeping people away from Jesus? You know, one of the rising demographics in our country has been the, the rising demographics of those who identify themselves with no religion, as nuns is sort of the, the trendy term. Uh, they have no religion. And when people ask them, when they see this, demographic rise, they, they ask the question, why, why don't you go to church? Why do you have no church affiliation? Why do you have no church home? And there's these answers, and there's lots of answers. Some of them are theological. Uh, some folks have had a crisis of faith or a crisis of belief. Uh, some folks have had other things that have just drawn them away from the church. Uh, but every, in every survey, uh, folks respond in a way, and one of the things they say is the reason we don't go to church is because of church people. <laughs> Ouch, Right? They say the church people are hard to get along with sometimes, or they, they draw us apart sometimes. They, they actually don't reflect what they say they believe. And there's two quotes I want to share from one of these surveys in 2015. This is from folks who identified as non-religious or having no church affiliation. They say, we dislike organized religion. Now, again, they point at the organization of religion, mostly, uh, because organized religious groups are more divisive than uniting. Or I think that more harm has been done in the name of religion than any other area. And when I read this, I was like, like I just started asking questions. What is our church like? Who are we like? Are we a place who takes unity uh, more seriously than division? Are we a place who who are willing to sit beside people, who are willing to sit beside each other, 
even when we disagree and draw folks in? And are we a place that is actually more intent on doing good for this world than we are about doing harm to this world? Now, I will say, as someone who is both a pastor here and someone who's raising my family here, uh, I believe we're actually a church that reflects unity over division and that does more good than harm as we live out our faith. I think it's important to us. But that's not how everybody experiences church. But that is something that I think that we take very seriously. Uh, One of those places I think we take it seriously is in the way that we don't just speak about uh, what's important, but try to live it out uh, through our mission partnerships. Uh, David Shaw is a member at 519. Uh, David's actually a pastor's kid. Uh, He grew up in the church and around the church and has found sort of new life uh, in the church at 519. And I want you to hear part of his story as he talks about that good we do in the world. Back in March, we took a team down to Haiti, and it was a great experience. I'd never been on a mission trip, and to go with this group of people, it was really great. Um, We were able to see about 330 patients. We handed out about 1,300 prescriptions. We had a translator with us, and I'd had a, a person that one of my first patients that morning, I was talking to them about their prescription, and I'm a pharmacist, so I was talking to them and counseling them on their prescription through Dennis, the interpreter. So later that day, I had a, um, another lady um, I was talking to, and she was, just wasn't getting it. You know, she wasn't getting the twice a day type thing or whatever I was talking to her about. And this lady just gets up and in her loud Haitian voice, you know, just starts speaking to me in Creole. And I was like, oh gosh, here I go again. I've done it again. You know, so I motioned for her to have a seat and she sits down. And (laughs) in a minute, she stands up again and she's speaking again in Creole. And I said, Dennis, can you have her just have a seat? You know, I'll be with her in a minute. And he went, no, 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 David. When when she gets home, she's gonna play music and, and thank God for what we're doing. And at that moment, I knew that, that I was receiving the blessing. To the church in, in a whole, as a whole, it, um, it involves everyone. We, had, we took bags over that the ladies um, had made that were um, stuffed with goodies for, for the people there in Haiti. Um, so we had that impact. We had the multiple people um, coming from different you know, paths um, to go over to Haiti. Um, I think that with the church um, providing funds, um, support, mission work, um, helps us just to reach out and support those brothers and sisters of Christ. The last question I'll ask this morning is from the perspective of the paralytic. Uh, And it's this question. It's who is carrying you to Jesus? Who are you sharing your burdens with? Who is making possible for you uh, this encounter with Christ? Uh, For David, it has been his missional community. It's a small group of folks that gather every Friday and just do life together. And there was also a woman in Haiti uh, who he encountered and who reminded him of what it means to praise God, to give thanks for God, uh, for God's people. Who is that for you? Who are the folks in your life? Who are the folks in your family, in your neighborhoods, in your community? Who are the folks right here in this church, perhaps, uh, that are helping you connect with 
Christ. You know, we were never designed to do this journey alone. Uh, we gather every Sunday uh, because we know it's important to be together, to challenge each other, uh, to push each other, to, to stretch each other in a way that we, we might know and encounter Christ differently, that our lives might be changed in such a way that we might be that for others. But, but we've got to also receive that ourselves. And I would just ask you, who are, who are those folks for you? How are you stepping out in relationship to be challenged, to be formed, to be transformed by God uh, so that we might encounter Christ in a way that we might too carry God's love uh, to this world? Uh, As we close uh, this morning, I want to close with a quote from Owen. Uh, Owen talks about uh, sort of what it means to be uh, be 519 and about this passage in particular. He says this, he says, almost all of us have have been uh, the beneficiary of someone else's work to place us at the feet of Jesus. It is our job to make the path clear and do whatever we must to get people where they can be healed. Let's allow others to see our faith. Um, One way we do make that possible is through our financial gifts. And not only do we create spaces for groups and for classes and for uh, mission trips and other things, but that number that you saw there, uh, $752,000 or so, is a holistic number of how we see discipleship as all those spaces where we might be challenged in our heads and our hearts and our hands to go be God's people. And one of the things that we do when we commit to give is that we invest in that root system, that we invest in healthy root systems that allow us to continue to bear fruit uh, in our community, in our neighborhoods, uh, in across the state in Southwest Wake County and around the world. And it takes all of us. It takes all of us to make that commitment. It takes all of us uh, to journey together uh, faithfully uh, to be that kind of church where life changes happening both inside our walls as well as in the world because that's what we value. Uh, we are a people who, who want to help uh, transform this place that we might truly love well and live differently, that we might welcome all, love all, serve all, but most importantly that we would invite all to follow Jesus. Uh, the one that equips us to be a power that transforms this world. And it takes us together collectively as family uh, to make that possible. I'm going to pray for us uh, in a moment. And I've asked our ushers to to have baskets available next week. The next two weeks will be sort of the the chance for us to to offer our commitment cards. But I know some of you are ready to do that now. And if you have, uh, if you want to fill those out and and leave them, we're going to have a basket up front after worship as well as one at each door. Uh, If you're ready to make that commitment, uh, our finance team uh, will not make a budget until we've made those commitments. And so it's a chance for us to to covenant together to journey with that. And then the next two weeks, we'll have consecration Sundays where we receive those and and, and offer them together as we live out this faith together. But I'm going to pray for us, and then our our team's going to come and lead us in a closing closing song. Let's pray. Almighty God, uh, we do give you thanks. Uh, We thank you for the ways that you have gathered us here. We thank you for the ways that you continue to to speak into us uh, through your word, uh, through relationship, uh, through mission, through service, through one another. And we just pray this morning that as we gather once again, uh, that your Holy Spirit might change us, might transform us, so that as we live out this, this discipleship journey of following you, uh, we might more wholly reflect who you are Uh, to each other, uh, and to this world. We offer all this to you in Christ's name. Amen.